Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me to preview the Texans Ravens game is Ravens insider Kyrie Thompson, host of the Believe in Ravens podcast, part of the Believe Network. Thanks for giving us a few minutes in a busy week, Kyrie. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this one because uh, the Texans fans, oh my goodness, we can't believe this season. And as everybody remembers, C.J. Stroud's first NFL start was against the Ravens. The final score four months ago, 25-9 to Ravens. So the question I got for you to start with is, what's changed with this Ravens team from the team the Texans faced in week one? Because we know we've changed quite a bit. Or are there any differences between the Ravens team we saw in week one and, and today? I would say the main difference, as with the Houston Texans, is time. I mean, Lamar Jackson mentioned it earlier this week. This isn't the same Houston Texans team that they played. They're playing more cohesive football. They've really gelled, uh, especially on offense. It's the same thing for the Ravens, because the thing you got to remember about Baltimore is they are implementing Todd Munkin's offense for the first time this year. This is the first year as offensive coordinator. They were under Greg Roman for a while, so definitely a big-time scheme departure. I think they were feeling things out in week one because Lamar Jackson did not play in the preseason at all. So it was really, aside from practice, joint practices and such, it was the first live action that Lamar Jackson had. And it was a bit of a shaky game. I think now you're looking at a guy who is playing his best football by far. He's playing MVP level football. He's had a chance to gel with a new receiver in Zay Flowers, who is swiftly becoming one of the more dynamic young offensive weapons in the league. They figured out how to get around some early season injuries in the run game. Remember, they lost J.K. Dobbins in week one in that game. Yes. Who was their starting running back. And they've had to since weather the storm of losing Keaton Mitchell, who really sort of took over as as the big play, kind of starting running back in that fold. But they've figured out how to use Gus Edwards and Justice Hill as change of pace guys. You know, Gus Edwards being the pound, the rock, and and wear you down. And then Justice Hill come in, scoot around the edge for nine yards. And they're going to get Mark Andrews back. And I think that's an interesting one because they had Mark Andrews in week one. And obviously he was good. Mark Andrews is always good. But what they had in Mark Andrews' absence, where he, he suffered a high ankle sprain, he was out for a while. What you, what you found in his absence is the fact that backup guys like Isaiah Likely were able to step up. And that was always a big issue for the Baltimore Ravens. And I think it was even in that season opener. Who's going to make plays when Mark Andrews is out or if he's double covered? And I think that they've started to see that Lamar Jackson can spread the ball around and really rely on a number of pass catching options. So this offense, I think, is much closer to clicking on all cylinders. And look, the defense just is what it is. It's it's either the first or second best defense in the league, depending on who you ask. They are loaded from top to bottom. They have arguably the best safety in the league in Kyle Hamilton, the best linebacker duo, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, experienced corners, rough defensive line up front. I mean, they're as complete a team as there is in the NFL. Yeah, it's been so long ago. I think you might have forgotten Mark Andrews was actually inactive in week one. So oh, that, yeah. that, that that is going to make a That's big right. difference. That's right. He was coming out of an injury in camp. Yep, yep. It's been a yep. while. Yeah, it, it's it's going to make a big difference because the Texans at times they they do have difficulty uh, covering some tight ends, but luckily uh, 
you know, Njoku didn't really kill him last week, although he he did a, some damage against him in that uh, previous Browns game. But different set of guys were out there last week. Um, you you talked just now about the defense. Where are the Ravens' weaknesses defensively? What if anything can the Texans exploit from that defense? Ooh, um, like I said, that is a difficult one because I think that when healthy, right, and you've got Marlon Humphrey, you know, if he if he's out there and able to play, he struggled with injuries this year, but they've been able to get solid contributions from the likes of of Rocky Asin, whether it's in the starting lineup or coming off the bench. The safety play with Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton is is exceptional. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen can blitz; they can come downhill at you. And they are able to, you know, cover the, you know, in the passing game as well. If there's one thing you you want to try to do, if you can protect up front, and you can keep the pass rushers like Justin Matabike, who has had an incredible year, Kyle Van Noy, and Jadevian Clowney, who's had he the, the thing with Clowney right is that he's been healthy. I think I think the thing that that we've missed for such a long time, you know, this being in Houston. It was injury after injury with Jadevi and Clowney, and it oh, felt yeah. like sometimes you would see the the immense potential, and sometimes you're just thinking like, where where's this guy that we spent the number one overall pick on, right? Who was who was so great, so dynamic, and he's been healthy and he's been disruptive. If you can negate that, I do think you can maybe take advantage of the corners a little uh, away from Marlon Humphrey, and and I think that the. The good thing about the Texans and Bobby Slowick, I think, is that they have a great plan for everything. And they're able to marry different concepts They're from that McVeigh tree, right? So, you know, if, if they're running one run play to the outside, they can come off of that, you know, do a boot out and then, you know, hit it on the other side, to the other sideline. Or they can do play action and, and hit you deep. And so I, I think that that's going to be the, the big thing. Keep them off balance. Keep them guessing. Because really, from a talent standpoint, I don't know that there are a whole lot of weakness weaknesses on, on, on the defense. But if you can slow down the pass rush, that's really the key. Because if you can do that, you're going to – C.J. Stroud will have time. He didn't have a ton of time in week one to really survey things. But if you give him enough time to figure things out and make quick decisions, I mean, he's shown he can operate under pressure, under duress. But I think that if you just give him that split second – that he needs to throw into a window, he's going to be able to make some plays. Yeah, you talked about up front. That's a big difference between what the Texans were in week one because Stroud figured out how to get rid of the ball quicker, understood things a little bit better. Part of it was the offensive line started to play better, but it was more about C.J. Stroud. And the difference is the center that the Texans had in week one is not the center that they have in this game. Mm -hmm. The left guard is a is a rookie who they were hoping was going to be the center, and now he's at left guard. Tunsil's at left tackle, so that's pretty strong. They're strong on the edges with Tunsil and George Fant. Fant's done an incredible job most of the season. They're putting in Charlie Heck a little bit at right tackle, but it's mostly been George Fant in the last couple of weeks. And that's the big difference is it, it just in the middle, I would say, and if there's a way to take advantage of the Texans, on the front, and I'm wondering what you think, it's in the middle. Is that somewhere do you think the Ravens can exploit things? That's really where a lot of it starts for, for them because I think that, that, again, you're looking at somebody like Justin Matabike who's had an incredible year up the middle, 
and and pushing pockets because Laramie Tunsil is is excellent. I mean, he's always been able to hold his own on on the outside. And really, with a with a player like C.J. Stroud, who I think can can step up in a pocket, he's got enough mobility to to get around, run if he needs to. But it's always best to be able to push right up the middle. And I think the other part of that is going to be not just Matabike, but it's going to be the A-gap and B-gap blitzes from the linebackers. Because if you're forcing C.J. Stroud to then go outside and, and leave the comfort of the pocket, then you're making life a lot harder or, or you're making him get the ball out in 1.5 seconds or what, whatever it has to be. And that's what the Ravens were able to do to Stroud in week one. I mean, he, he didn't he didn't turn the ball over. I want to say it was like 242 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He handled it about as well as, as a rookie could be expected to handle it. But again, if you don't have time to throw the ball down the field and generate explosive plays, that just plays into the hands of the defense. And so I, I would expect that is absolutely going to be the case. It is going to be in the A gaps and the B gaps. The Ravens are going to try and make it so that Stroud can't step up, doesn't have a comfortable pocket. On the other side of the football, I'd say from a Texan standpoint, the safeties have gotten beat over the top way too much this year. That's a concern. But D'Amico surprised everybody last week when he made Stingley the primary person on Amari Cooper. He wasn't, you know, playing sides like he was before. He basically said, you know, you got Cooper 82%, 83% of the snaps or something like that. Zay Flowers took advantage of the Texans in week one. That's where the real chess match is going to be. But what are you looking at with this Ravens offense? Well, I think it's going to be about spreading the love. Because I think what you don't have with the, with the Baltimore Ravens is one guy on the outside in terms of wide receivers that is a true number one receiver. Zay Flowers might become that with time. Again, he's had himself a very strong rookie year. But he doesn't necessarily have that prototypical size. And I think that you know, if you if you get a strong cover man on him and you get up in his face and you knock him off the line of scrimmage, if you can touch him, that can cause problems. So I think that it's going to be about, number one, you got to find out who's, who's covering Mark Andrews and who's covering Isaiah Likely. Down the seams, short. I think that it, it really sort of starts with them. And then you start getting into Zay Flowers later on. So I would be curious. I, I don't know if there's anybody on the Baltimore Ravens that you're saying, Derek Stingley, you got to go follow that guy this time. Maybe it'll be a little bit of a, okay, in key situations, if it seems like he's looking for Zay Flowers here or he's looking for Rashad Bateman, because Rashad Bateman's been a guy who's been coming on a little bit as a wide receiver two or three in, in that same realm as Odell Beckham Jr., then maybe you're saying like, okay, based on matchup and where we are, let's go ahead and put Stingley over here. But it's it's definitely not the same, which interestingly, I don't know, may, might make it a bit more difficult to defend because you know that Lamar Jackson loves to throw to Mark Andrews, but because he's had to be without Mark Andrews so much, he's developed more rapport with these other guys. And you're starting to see these performances now where it's like three touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, and they're going to everyone. So I think that's going to be the really dangerous thing because you don't know where the ball is going to go right now when it leaves Lamar Jackson's hands. But it's probably going to go to one of his guys and they're going to be ripping off a big play. Is there any difference that you've seen from Lamar and his style of play and what he's done this season from past seasons? Has he been a slightly different quarterback at all? 
he's been more or less the same. I mean, maybe maybe uh, scrambling to throw a bit more, but that was always part of his game. And, and I, I feel like Lamar Jackson's been misrepresented to an extent because that second year when he when he won MVP, I mean, he had like, what, 3,100 yards passing, 36 touchdowns. He was great from the pocket. He ran a lot. And that's what everybody associates with Lamar Jackson, the running and, and him getting and him being fast and out racing people to the end zone or dodging people in the open field. And he still does that. Trust me, he can still do that. But he's always been able to throw the ball from the pocket. The difference is not so much Lamar Jackson. It's the way that they use Lamar Jackson and, and what they're asking him to do now. It's not 12 personnel, you know, two tight ends and heavy formations and not a whole lot of help from your wide receivers. They're spreading things out a little bit more and asking Lamar Jackson to make quick decisions, make quick reads, throw the ball down the field, buy a little bit of time with your legs instead of, you know, getting just kind of looking for your tight ends, you know, and, and getting the ball out more between the numbers. He's always been this kind of quarterback. He's now we're now just noticing it more because of the way that they have restyled this offense in Todd Munkin's image. And it's made him a more dangerous player. And maybe some people would say, well, you know, the efficiency numbers, you know, aren't that great. We still didn't throw for 4,000 yards and, and kind of this, this and that when it comes to maybe it's not as impressive as we thought. But I think that, again, for a first year learning this offense and making a dramatic change from what he's done for the last four, five years and the way that he's been operating, especially of late, is super impressive. And I feel like this is his chance to really answer those questions that you said I couldn't win from the pocket. You said I couldn't, you know, be a, a Super Bowl quarterback where, you know, you got to fear me, you know, just throwing the football. And I'm proving you wrong. Now we got to see if he can do it in the playoffs. The Ravens are favored by nine, more or less, from most sports books as we're recording this. Does that surprise you or is that what you would expect? It's about what I would expect. I think, again, you think about the way the first game went, where the Ravens ended up winning that one pretty handily. These are two different teams. At the same time, you could you could look at it and say, look, Houston got the jump last, you know, in, in, in the last game, in the wild card round. And maybe, you know, you weren't, you were taking it as seriously as you ought to. I, I don't know if I want to, you know, put it that way, but maybe that it was a surprise because the team is so young and you didn't expect that from them. But the Ravens are not going to be surprised by anything that the Texans are doing. They played them before. They're not going to take this for granted. They're not going to overlook them. And they are the best team in football right now. They are. They have taken down everyone in their path. Everybody that got put up against them, the San Francisco 49ers, the Miami Dolphins, the Seattle Seahawks, like all, all these different teams that were at one point or another viewed as, oh yeah, there's going to be a great test for the Baltimore Ravens. And they Ravens wipe them off the bat. And, and so I, I think that they're going to come out ready to, to take care of business here. They've got a chip on their shoulder from some of the past playoff failures that they've had. I think this is going to be their time to continue advancing. But look, I think that if you're asking me to be a betting person, I'm going I'm to take the Texans to cover that. Not to win, but I'll take them to cover because I think that they are, they are a surprising 
and motivated young football team, I think it's going to come down to a score when it's all said and done. I'm a little surprised because the Texans are rolling again after, you know, the Stroud injury. He looks great. And, you know, the confidence in C.J. Stroud is sky high. And it's a cold weather game, which shrinks the score. And when the score shrinks, the spread should shrink a little bit. Mm -hmm. There is a whole thing I can do on the, the cold weather and the Texans. And we talked about it a little bit in yesterday's show. But, you know, I just don't think the Texans are going to be phased a lot by the cold. I mean, C.J. Stroud played at Ohio State, so I think he's kind of used to playing in the cold weather. And I don't feel like that's a huge concern. There's some interesting coincidences, though, Kari. Just I got to tell you about this. You go back, the only time the Texans faced the Ravens in the playoffs, 12 years ago this week. The Texans finished the season 11-7 and seven that year. Same record they have right now. The Ravens finished the season. Ravens did that year 13-4. and four. Same record that they've got right now. D'Amico was playing for the Texans. Harbaugh was coaching for the Ravens. The Ravens were favored by eight. They won by seven. Flacco, Joe Flacco, <laughs> beat T.J. Yates, who <laughs> threw three picks in that game. The weather looks to be nearly identical, seven degrees colder at kickoff. And all I can say is the Texans, they took care of Flacco. They excised some demons by going to, you know, Indianapolis and beating the Colts. That's been a house of horrors. Maybe this is a little bit of a revenge tour. It's kind of maybe a little bit like that. I don't know. You never know. I mean, and, and this is this is what I would say. The the Houston Texans are a team that is that is too young and too green at, at this you know, particular juncture to be afraid of anyone and and to really understand that like, Hey, you know, te- you're not supposed to be winning all this right now. They're like, who, who said they're playing with house money. And so when you're that kind of team and the Ravens are as favored as they are and everybody's been talking them up, like they're supposed to like the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, Yeah. You better believe the Houston Texans are going to come out trying to play spoiler with this. The Ravens have shown themselves a bit susceptible to, I, I, I shouldn't say playing down to the level of competition in this case, because the Texans are, are a playoff team. But, you know, there have been times where they've lost a little bit of focus. They lost to the, to the Indianapolis Colts and they had an off game in a weather game earlier this year. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers when the offense wasn't, wasn't functioning very well. They had a ton of drops in that game, and then they just get beat at the end on you know a great play by Kenny Pickett and and uh, George Pickens, right? And then and then they lose to the Cleveland Browns in a shootout. They can be beaten. They are mortal. It can happen. And so I think that when it comes down to it, this is not a game that you can just say, "Oh yeah, the Ravens are going to win this in a walk." I think that they that they are favored and they should be. But the Houston Texans aren't going to make this easy for them. They didn't make it easy in week one. I mean, that game was a lot closer for, for the majority of the game than, than the final score would suggest. They played the Ravens really tough, and they're going to do it again. Yeah, it should be a fun game to watch. I'm so excited about it. Uh, remind us about your podcast and, and how people can connect with you guys. Absolutely. You can catch me and my co-host, Danny Wilcox, on the Believe Network, on the Believe in Ravens podcast. 
We are going to be breaking this down with a number of different people in the lead up to this game, including, again, some some uh, Houstonites, uh, you know, down there right now that are covering the team very closely. We're going to do that in the lead up to the game as well. So Texans fans, come check out the Believe in Ravens podcast. And we're saying nice things about your team. So, hey, just because we believe in the Ravens doesn't mean we don't like the Texans, too. Just not this week. Not that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, had a fantastic uh, chat and, uh, you know, hope we can catch up again, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.